Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, Death by Southwest listeners. <laughs> um, Margot here, and it is Monday afternoon, and I am actually waiting for uh, Jenna to be ready. I'm going to go pick her up so that we can record a new episode um, of True Crime, kind of back to the original style. And since we're recording so late, I am hoping that I'll have time afterwards to kind of cut the intro sense of place and, and post it today. If there's not too much editing, I should be able to do that this evening. But just in case, I thought I would take a few minutes to just record um, a little bonus that I'm not going to edit that I can put out um, now. Oh, my computer just told me that viruses were detected. I don't know if that's... I thought Apple computers didn't get viruses. Well, I'll have to look into that another time. Um So I don't specifically have too much to talk about today um, on this kind of non-bonus bonus. bonus. Uh, I thought my plan was to um, read and respond to some Apple reviews um, because there have been a couple that I feel like they warrant a response. And, you know, you can't really respond to Apple reviews. I mean, you can't. You can't. It's not that you can't really. You actually cannot. Um, and, you know, people who leave them use a, a, a fake name or a pseudonym or something. So you never really know who it's from. And there's no way to kind of reply. And I mean, that's how it should be. Because, um, you know, imagine if you got um, some less than favorable reviews and you were really bothered by them, then, you know your responses could be, um, I want to say inappropriate or angry, but not necessarily inappropriate. Just, you know, you don't want, I I don't think I need to explain it. (laughs) I'm working on not over explaining everything. Uh, So I don't think I need to explain it. Hopefully that makes sense as to why you can't respond to Apple reviews. However, uh, they are public. Everyone can see them. And some of them I, I want to respond to. So I thought I would do that. And then I also, um, based off of one review, uh, I thought I would share something, share something that I wrote a while ago. I'm not going to over explain that until we get there. So let me pull up this Apple review. And I don't generally, um, you know, I don't, I don't read DMs or emails or, or I try not to um, unless I ask the person because those are private. You know, people set, are sending that DM directly to myself and or Jenna. Um, so I always try to ask before I share anything like that. Um, and I, and they don't necessarily need to be shared because I generally try to respond. 
Um, of course, anyone who's been listening or following us on Instagram for a while knows that I am very inconsistent with the responses. Uh, you know, truthfully, it, and I don't know if anyone else experiences this, but like with text messages or emails maybe or DMs, uh, if you haven't responded for a while, like if a couple of days go by and I don't respond, then it starts to feel like too overwhelming to respond. Then I don't even want to open up Instagram because I feel guilty that I haven't answered, um, you know, everyone or some people. And and so then I just avoid it and it just gets worse. <laughs> So uh, so that's why sometimes it takes me a while to respond because I just completely avoid the whole entire app. <laughs> but, and I mean, and it's not, we have, you know, a couple hundred followers. I'm not, we're not getting like 300 messages. I don't even understand how people like, you know, more public figures and celebrities or whoever um, people who run their business through Instagram, how they handle getting hundreds of DMs. Uh, you know, maybe we have like 20 unanswered DMs. So it's not even that overwhelming. Uh, it just feels like it sometimes. That's the truth. So um, anyways, I got off topic there. Uh, so there is a review that we recently got. And I don't know who wrote it because... It was so long that I, I took a screenshot but cut off the, the name. Um, and I really appreciate it. It was a great review. Uh, and I'm going to read it to you. And then I'm going to explain why I felt the need to respond. Uh, so this person says, it, you know what? I need to find the review so that I can read the title and tell you who wrote it. So hold on. Sorry. Okay. Let's. See, okay, reviews. No, not that one. Okay, so this is called the review is called Loving the Personal Touch by Wicked Cricket. I like that name. I'm assuming this is a female, but I don't know. I'm going to go with that though. So uh, she says, It's funny because I found this podcast while looking for true crime desert stuff. So specific, I know. But the first episodes I listened to were Margot's breakup episodes, which are no longer available. But girl, those were so raw and real, I could relate and was impressed by your honesty and bravery. And now I've only listened to one actual crime-based episode. I only reach for the bonus episodes because I love the personal relationship aspect. But I do have to say, the ones with Mark, I can kind of see why the breakup happened. Margot, you're a little mean to him. I hate to say kind of condescending and dismissive. It happens in relationships though, and obviously that's just a snapshot, not my business. I just finished the Grease episode and I was captivated. You told that story so well, I felt like I was there with you. Super interesting and detailed. I hung on every word. I would honestly just listen to a podcast about Margot's life because you're a great storyteller. Uh, so I thank you if you're listening um wicked cricket because that's a, a really thoughtful well thought out and and lovely review and i'm so glad to hear that about the grease episode because i'm not gonna lie i think we, me and jen have both said this before that sometimes after i finish recording whether it's a regular crime episode a bonus episode no matter what i kind of just like black out it's like i can't remember what was said was it any good and that's i think often why the editing takes me 
or can take me so long. Of course, on a lot of the uh, bonus episodes, sorry, my cat just almost stepped on my computer keyboard. Can you, cat, get out of here. Oh, geez. Now something's playing in my ear. Okay. <laughs> Whoa, lots happening. Um, anyways, you know, that's why the, when I'm posting unedited episodes, it's really a lot easier to do when it's just me because I, I, I'm i kind of an open book. So there's very little that I'm going to say that I f- would feel like I need to edit out perhaps. Um, but when it's with Mark or with Jenna um, or the true crime episodes when it's just me and I know there's only been a couple – you know, I want that to flow like a story. So I, I will edit those. Anyways, point being, I was unsure if that Grease episode even made sense, if it was too choppy. So while I realize this is only one person's opinion, um, I'm very glad to hear that. Uh, so thank you. And that, that part of the comment actually inspired me to, um, to read what I want to read to you guys after this. Uh, but I do want to respond to the Mark part because I am completely open to and welcome, um, constructive criticism, opinions on, on anything on the podcast, on how myself and Jen interact and how myself and Mark interact. Absolutely. Please. Um, I think that's helpful. And she's right. The breakup episodes are no longer available, which I've explained probably way too much in previous episodes. But um, where she says, I kind of see why the breakup happened. You're a little mean to him, kind of condescending and dismissive. And on the bonus episodes with Mark, I'd say that is sometimes accurate, an accurate description. Uh, In life, never. And which is why I know that that's not why he broke up with me. I, I know why he broke up with me, and I've told you guys about it 800 times. <laughs> but uh, but that I know is not one of the reasons. However, and I don't feel the need to like defend that, I, I, do, I, I do feel the need to kind of explain that um, condescending or dismissiveness because she's right. I have noticed that when I've listened to them and I don't like it at all. I I would never talk to him that way in in regular life. Um I I respect him. I I never would want to be condescending. I mean in so so many ways Mark is much more knowledgeable and experienced like you know, I respect the hell out of him and love him and I would never want to um to ever make him feel that way. Now, on the podcasts, I guess uh, usually when we recorded them, it was last minute and I was trying to get it published like immediately. I know with several of the ones that myself and Mark did, I was publishing it immediately and didn't have time to go through and spend two hours editing it. And I cared and still care about how Mark comes off on the podcast because I know his friends and family and colleagues listen to this, uh, some of them. And I know that some of those recordings were done later in the evening, perhaps during or after cocktail hour, perhaps after a long day at work. And 
And it's easy, I think. And Mark has admittedly told me that he, you know, he he wants to sound, he, you know, we'll finish. And he'll be like, did I sound stupid? Did that sound dumb? Did I talk too much? Like he, he is self-aware enough to know like that he wants to come off as his wonderfully uh, funny and intelligent self, but that sometimes, you know, it doesn't come off that way. Sometimes I don't come off as my authentic self on here. It depends on the day and the mood and there are so many factors. So I think sometimes I was dismissive or condescending or kind of like, come on, Mark, because I, which was the wrong way to handle it. I now realize as I'm speaking this out loud, but I wanted him to come off sounding as wonderful as he is in real life um, and not kind of like he was trying too hard, which I think sometimes he was, which is totally understandable. This is not his, <laughs> this is not his job or anything. So um, anyways, that felt like a bit of an over explanation. But basically, I wanted to say I agree with that. And that is um, something that if myself and Mark should ever do episodes again in the future, that I will certainly um, kind of try to keep tabs on. And, um, but that, and that if that is how it came off, that that is my mistake and has nothing to do, like, to do with how I feel about Mark or I would never want to make anyone feel that way, you know? Um, Sorry, I'm drinking water. When I uh, like thought about what I was going to say in my head, it sounded way better than what I just said, <laughs> which is generally how it goes. But hopefully that that came across as not me being defensive and just wanting to kind of clear that up. Um, let's see. I think there was maybe. And so she so she also said that I was a great storyteller, which is honestly the the most incredible compliment I could ever receive, because since I. I mean, since I could pick up a pencil and write, um, because I'm that old that there weren't computers when I was learning to write, uh, I wanted to be a writer. And I I was a writer. I mean, look, I think if you write, you're a writer. Like, you don't have to get paid or have the official job title writer to consider yourself a writer. I, I wanted that. I wanted to get paid for my writing and, and have that official job title. Um and in between teaching and producing, I did for a while. I was a freelance writer, um, but it wasn't, it's, it's tough to make a living doing that. So, but I enjoy writing so much. And so for a while, uh, back during that time that I was freelance writing for various um, publications and companies, I started a a medium page and I don't know if anyone's familiar with that or not but it's kind of an it's an online platform similar to like I mean I guess kind of similar to Facebook I don't really use Facebook but uh, basically it's an open place where anybody can write anybody who wants to write can write about anything and publish it to their profile and you can kind of when you go there and you look at medium it, it almost kind of looks like a news uh, website because you can search by topic or whatever. And they're all personal essays, all different levels of writers in terms of professional to just hobby. Um, I mean, you can just look up Medium and I'm sure 
Google will give you a much more concise explanation than this. But I used to write just personal essays. I mean, really just for myself. Like I enjoyed doing it. I didn't expect anyone to read them really. And I I didn't really care if they did because it was honestly kind of like this, just in written form, kind of like this podcast, like the breakup episodes and stuff. It was um, just cathartic and allowed me to kind of process and work through anything that was going on in my life or in my head. It was essentially like a public journal that I like I did proofread and do spell check on. So a little like an elevated public journal. And uh, I was looking back through some of the essays that I'd written the other day. And I mean, you know, I, I don't know, a handful of people I'm sure read some of them. There was one that I wrote that uh, w- was popular and did get published in one of Medium's like publications. Within Medium, there are magazines kind of. Anyways, it was called A Letter to My Dead Mother. And I'm not going to read that today because it is very um, sad, <laughs> as the title might indicate. Uh, but I I was reading one that I wrote, let's see, 2018. So six years ago, my God, so long ago. And it, it was interesting to read it because... I don't regularly like go back and read things that I've written. I haven't read this for years. Uh, And it was interesting because it's about being single, kind of. Um, It takes a while to get there, but it's, as you well know, because I'm uh, overly wordy, um, it doesn't get there right away, but it does eventually get there to about being single and how much I love being single. And it just, it was interesting to read that especially considering the place that I'm at right now. So um, based on the storyteller comment and the fact that uh, I'm not picking up Jenna until four, which means there's a good chance the bonus episode, like the sense of place will just have to be part of tomorrow's episode and then I'll publish this. So I thought I would read this um, to you guys, kind of like – story time but not (laughs) it'll be much more concise than you guys just listening to me talk with all the ums and the rambling on and on so I'll just get to it so it's titled party of one how do you know when it's time to make a change I'm not talking small changes like hairstyle or eating habits I mean big changes like moving relationships careers Now, I'm obviously exploring this for selfish reasons as I'm currently trying to decide what my next step in life is, not career-wise, but I guess location-wise. Even though I'm realistically not thriving in my personal life where I currently am, I'm also not unhappy. In fact, I'm pretty darn happy. I'm also pretty darn alone. So my question is, do I need to move somewhere new to try and broaden my personal life and grow that area of my life? My personal life is currently comprised of writing, working out, the dogs, cooking, reading, binge-watching Netflix, and wine. There's a few more solitary activities, but that's the gist. Boring? Maybe, but so very peaceful and enjoyable and stress-free. But by staying in my cozy little apartment in Georgia, am I 
kind of remaining stagnant in life? Do I need to push myself to move to continue growing as a 30-ish, recently divorced writer and woman? I have no fucking clue. I know how I ended up here, kind of, but I have no fucking idea where to go from here or when. I moved to Georgia in 2009-ish because my now ex-husband and boyfriend at the time was from here. After graduating from college, he said to me, I'm moving back to Atlanta. You don't have to come with me, but you can if you want. If you don't, I think we should break up. That was a warm, welcoming invite, right? Yeah, it wasn't. But somehow, I took that ash... I took that assholish and painfully obvious non-invitation as an invitation. Why the fuck did I think that after six months of living together pretty unhappily in my favorite place in the world, Flagstaff, Arizona, where we had both gone to college, that it was a good idea to move across the country with him? We fought all the time, had very little in common, and quite obviously weren't very compatible. But I was so unsure as to what the fuck I should do with my life. Uh, A recently acquired Bachelor of English and working as a full-time nanny didn't exactly leave me flush with opportunities. So I was ready to jump at any opportunity for someone to kind of save me or guide me or just tell me what the hell I should do so that I didn't have to actually make a decision. So I packed up my life, put my fish in a jar, put our cat in the car, and drove to Atlanta with him. We moved into the home that he grew up in, which was currently empty since his parents had recently moved into a brand spanking new McMansion across town and were so annoyingly rich that they were in no rush to sell their old house. Insert a major eye roll here because if you knew them, you'd understand. I was fucking miserable. No friends, no job, no fucking furniture, no fun. In retrospect, I should have packed up my little Ford Escape and hightailed it back to Flagstaff, the one magical place that had always felt like home to me. But I didn't, because he was a, quote, good guy. He was working at his dad's firm and would eventually make good money, really good money. He was responsible, educated, stable, wanted a family one day, kind of your typical white, upper-class Southern boy, just a good guy. Or so I thought. I saw him as the type of good guy that I'd always been certain I would never end up with because, well, I was me. I had always been a bit of a mess, a wild card, slightly unstable, and a little bit irresponsible. So after spending most of my life flailing and irresponsibly stumbling from one mediocre or bad decision to the next, I could practically taste the white picket fence lifestyle that Chris was offering. He was like a way out of my own self-created, self-imposed, unstable life. So I stayed in Georgia. Fast forward almost 10 years, and Chris and I have now been divorced for over a year. Never saw that one coming, right? (laughs) And I live alone in an apartment that I love with my two dogs supporting myself as a freelance writer. And most days, I'm pretty damn happy. I don't love Georgia, but I don't hate it. I do love my little apartment and my day-to-day routine. Sorry, guys. Drinking more water. I don't really have any friends here in Georgia, at least none that I regularly see. They were all either Chris's friends that I lost in the divorce, or they have husbands and babies and are just in a different place in life than myself. 
But this isn't necessarily a bad thing. The solitude is good for me, good for my writing, keeps me focused. So what's the issue, you ask? Well, I'm now 36, divorced, no kids, and I don't know, I feel like I should be trying to date or save money to buy a house or be doing more adult-like things, pushing myself outside of this comfortable little life that I've built. But here's the problem. I don't want to push myself to leave my little cozy hermit-like bubble. I don't want to date, and I have no idea if I even want kids anymore. Side note, now this is me presently, I do not. Um, And I know that I don't want to get married again. Find a partner, be in a long-term relationship, maybe, but it's certainly not a priority or even an interest right now. I like being single. I like being able to do whatever the fuck I want, whenever the fuck I want. I don't have to share the bed with anyone but my bulldog, and she is a way better sleeping mate than my ex ever was. She never complains if I stay up until 3 a.m. binge-watching Netflix. I can stand in the kitchen eating vegan tortilla pizza, guzzling wine, and watching Bravo any night of the week. Okay, fine, every night of the week. I almost never look in the mirror because who cares? No makeup, no blow dryers, no primping or worrying about what I'm wearing. It's yoga pants and sports bras 24-7, and it's glorious. My mood is never impacted or changed or imposed upon by anyone else. I used to come home from teaching all day in a great mood, exhausted but happy. Then my ex would come home, sullen, crabby, just kind of blah. And suddenly I would find myself feeling blah. Yeah, I know, it's super codependent, but it's how I am. My mood is easily influenced by the moods of others. And my ex's mood often sucked. But now, being single, my mood only depends on myself, which means it's generally pretty damn cheerful. I can also spend my money, or lack of, however I want, Because admittedly, I am and always have been bad with money. It was a constant argument with my ex, even though together we made good money when we were married. He was a CPA, so I I guess I understand his OCD-ness with money, but money was always a source of conflict for us. Nowadays, even though I have far less money and I'm still fucking horrible with managing it, at least I don't have to fight with anyone about it. If I spend too much at Target on dish towels and twinkle lights and can't pay a bill because of it, then so be it. I figure it out, deal with it, and I don't have to listen to anyone yell at me about it. Hallelujah. The list of reasons that I like being single goes on and on, but the biggest reason being is that relationships and marriages are hard. Well, my marriage was hard. And I get that marriage can also be wonderful and you get to share your life with someone and you don't have to grow old alone. You can start a family and all that warm, fuzzy stuff. But marriage is fucking hard, and relationships get old, stagnant, routine. What were once your partner's cute little quirks eventually become the things that make you want to stab yourself right in the eye, repeatedly. You have the same arguments. You push each other's buttons over and over again, and often on purpose. You have the same sex. You start to put each other in these boxes, in these specific roles, which usually leads to resentment. Now, I do realize that I had a particularly bad marriage and not all marriages are like this. And that, for many people, hopefully the good parts help to balance out the bad parts. For instance, having a partner through the hard moments in life, like a parent's death. If you're married, you don't have to go through this alone. You have someone to lean on. Well, in a good marriage, at least. In my case, not so much. 
After my mom died, my ex was there for me for about 3.5 days before he expected me to get back to my normal self, before we were back to fighting about the same things and having the same annoying arguments. I got through my mom's long, drawn-out death all on my own. Well, with the help of my sister. But after she died and I was back in Georgia, it was me. It was just me. And going through that alone felt really shitty at the time. But it also showed me that I could handle a whole lot more on my own than I ever thought possible. Now, I'm not saying I handled it well, but I handled it by myself. And I think as a result, it has allowed me to be genuinely, wholeheartedly happy on my own. So my initial question remains, if I'm fairly happy and comfortable in my current life, how do I know when it's time to push myself out of that comfort and make a change? Anyone? Anyone? Okay, that's it. Um, Hold on, Jenna just texted me. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's, that is that. That is an essay that I wrote called Party of One. And it's really, um, it's interesting to, to read it. Even again, I read it the other day. But, uh, and then this was written, um, I was still living in an apartment. And after, and that's the first place I lived in after moving out of the house with my ex. So I was in that apartment for a year or two, maybe. Um, and then I moved into a house that I rented um, in a nearby town in Atlanta. I lived in uh, Roswell in the apartment, and then I moved to this town called Alpharetta that was close by that I just loved. I could walk everywhere. I had the coolest house. And maybe I'll ask Jenna to talk about it um, at the beginning of, of the episode we're about to record because she came to visit with my dad once while I was living there. And she thought it was the creepiest, weirdest, most amazing house. And it really was. It was beautiful and just strange. Um, and and in that house, I was even happier. I mean, I, I loved having my own backyard. And me and Henry took walks every single morning and every single night. Like I was, when I wrote this, living in the apartment, I was happy. I, after that, like a year or two later in this house, I was, I was blissfully happy. Like I, I've was probably the happiest I had ever been up until that point in life. Um, that may be a, a bit of a big statement, but um, and again, I was still single. I I didn't date anybody really until after I got divorced until Mark. Uh, so it um, it's 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 weird and also a great reminder to kind of go back and read that because. Well, I don't know. Sorry, I'm thinking as I'm speaking right now. Uh, of course, I know that I can f- be happy being single again. I I did it before. I also, up until that point, or up until this point in life, hadn't really experienced a good relationship. And while Mark and I had our problems, our relationship was, I mean, to me, it was it was a good relationship. We were happy a lot. Um so I don't know if you can really, you know, being single again, once, and I'm getting more comfortable with it, um, but it, I'd imagine, I guess it's harder, you know, being single after my divorce, I felt relief. 
being single now, uh, and look, Mark and I, as of as of today, um, or whatever, as of the past few days, we are we're good. We're we are. Who, I don't know what we are. It doesn't matter. I I'm not gonna say what we are. We are friends. Period. You know, we are. We we want to be. And um, boy, I'm really stumbling through this right now. <laughs> uh, anyways, I, I I don't know if it's possible to be that happy being single after experiencing something that I I really was happy with that I loved having. Um, you know, I thought I wanted to be single, as I said there in that in that essay, forever. Uh, anyways, I won't overtalk this because I'm pretty sure nobody cares to hear about my relationship status and thoughts anymore. But, um, yeah, I I I am proud of some of the things I've I've written on Medium. Um, I don't think they're all fantastical, but I I am proud of some of them. Uh. I'm I <laughs> I hesitate to say I'll put the link somewhere because I'm not sure that I want to make it that easy for people to it's it's very personal. A lot of the writing is very personal. So I'm not sure I want to make it that easy for everyone to go read. Um of course I'm sitting here talking about it on a podcast, so that feels uh counterintuitive. Um anyways, that was really it. Uh I just I wanted to share that. I wanted to say thank you um for that comment and just clear up some of that breakup stuff. I'm sure it came off as overly verbose and uh, slightly defensive, but so be it. Um, And yeah, I'm going to wrap this up. And shocker, I am not going to edit it. So I apologize for any drinking water or if I coughed or anything like that that may have occurred throughout this. Uh, And I'm going to go pick up Jenna and we are going to record a brand new true crime episode. Um, Unfortunately, because it is so late, the sense of place and intro will not be separate. It will all be together. Um, So for all of you out there who hate how long and rambling the intros are, we will try to keep it concise, but there's a very good chance we won't. (laughs) So uh, yeah. And okay. That's it. I feel like I maybe had other things. Oh, oh, I haven't been on social media because <laughs> because uh, because of what I talked about earlier. I just if I feel overwhelmed. I took a few days off and then I was like, oh, I can't go back. I have so many people that I feel like I'm being rude to by not answering. Um, but I think the last thing that I probably posted was about Henry's surgery. And and I said I would keep you guys updated and then I never opened up Instagram literally again until probably I post this episode right now. So Henry is doing great. He had major surgery on his lower mouth, teeth, jaw, um, had some teeth pulled. So he's kind of looking like a grandpa on the bottom of his mouth, but that's okay. Um, the vet clinic is so amazing. I cannot recommend it enough to anyone who has animals here in Tucson. Um, It's not in a great area of Tucson, but I think that's how they keep their prices so reasonable. And they are, every single person that I've come in contact with there is so kind, so helpful. Henry is a difficult, big, loud, sometimes scary dog. And they made me feel comfortable. They made him feel comfortable. 
you know, sometimes if you have like kind of a problem child type dog, some vets or places will make you feel like shamed, ashamed about it. Maybe that's just me, but um, I don't know. It's called Arizona Small Animal Clinic, Dr. Shannon, and uh, it's down in South Tucson, but it is, it's worth it. It's really amazing. So he's doing great. They also removed a skin tag that he had. Um, they cleaned his teeth. And uh, we go back next week to just see, make sure that everything's healing up properly. Um, so uh, again, I'm sure no one was losing sleep over knowing how Henry was doing, but he is doing well. And um, all right, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to post this. And and since we're recording so late today, the episode will be posted tomorrow, but it will probably be later in the day. You know, I just like to keep you guys guessing. Just total inconsistency <laughs> with everything. Um, oh, that was a snort. Okay, I'm done. I uh, hope everyone is having a lovely Monday. Thank you for listening. Love you all. Bye. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.